if we're going to look this morning at some storms in this life, there's a lot of storms that go on in life. There's a lot of storms just in nature. Even right now this morning, the storms are still battering the islands of Hawaii over there from the hurricane that came. And you've seen on the news the flooding and the mudslides and all the things that are going on. But what's crazy to me is if you go to the east, if you leave Hawaii, the first landfall you come to is struggling with a drought. There's forest fires raging out of control on the two closest land masses. And we see these great storms of difficulty, things going on. We ain't got to look too far back to the hurricane that made landfall at Texas. And Texas and several other areas were devastated by the flooding and all the things that happened and took place in that time. But just like there's storms of nature, there's storms in life as well. Amen? We battle a lot of different storms throughout this life. Sometimes it storms dealing with health. Sometimes it's the storms of disease that comes in and, and causes the problem. Sometimes it's storms in marriage. I know nobody in here could understand that one or know what I'm talking about, but it does exist. Sometimes within a marriage there are some storms, and, and some of you might understand that sometimes there's storms involved in raising children, certainly none of these children, but um, storms do come in the process of raising children, and and storms, some of you might get a little more on board with this one. Um, storms come even in the workplace. Um, people kind of come up and, and bring a lot of problems there. And just for all of those that I haven't touched yet, sometimes storms come in financial situations. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've all at some point in our life experienced that. But the Bible is full of storms. Storms aren't anything that should catch us off guard. Storms aren't anything that ought to come by surprise. It ought not be anything that we shouldn't be looking for because the Bible talks a lot about storms and it also talks a lot about people who are in the storms, but it also talks about coming through the storms and things on the other side of the storms. In Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the hall of faith. But the reason we call it that is because those people are heroes of faith. The reason they're heroes of faith is because they had to survive many storms. Amen? So this morning is a little bit different for me in a couple of reasons on this message. I felt kind of scattered putting it together. I was writing, and, and like I say, this morning, God just began to give me confirmation before I even got there, just out of the mouths of some men and talking about some things that they're experiencing and what's going on. And God gives me a calmness that says, hey, I know it's a little different than the way you usually do things. Normally I take a passage, we read a passage, and we expound on that passage. It's called expository preaching, and that's just kind of where I live. But this morning we're going to read Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. And it's going to set the precedence of what we're talking about this morning, but that's not going to be our main chapter. But then I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to use three different stories this morning, and I'm going to use each one of them three different times. So for those of you who like soap operas and you grew up watching soap operas, you're going to love this morning because you know what it's like to scatter around and bounce around and come back to something. But for those of us who like just what happens between the first and the fourth quarter, and we like to see a game play, and that's about all we care about TV, this will be a little bit different. But I do pray that God would do something special this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles... Hebrews chapter 11, I know this is a pretty good bit of reading for a Sunday morning, but I need to read this whole chapter for us to really get the gist of this story and to understand everything that God is trying to say here. Beginning in verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered 
to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch, when he was translated, that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went not out, not knowing whether he went. And by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even one of them, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and that he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, uh, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he had destroyed the firstborn, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And by faith they passed through the Red Sea as, and as dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what, shall I, what more shall I say? What shall I more say? 
For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves on the earth. Of the earth, all these having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So, a lot of storms in life. One of the things that we see here in this hall of faith is the consistency of the storms. Through everybody that is mentioned in this hall of faith, the one thing that they have in common is not their greatness so much as it is their ability to survive through the storms. They didn't quit when the going got tough. They didn't give up when things started getting hard. They didn't walk out on God. They didn't give in when it didn't make any sense to just keep on going. They held on through the storms and the struggles of life. This morning, I want to bring a message entitled, The Lessons from the Storms of Life. God, thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you for these men and women that are examples in your word, God. I thank you, Father, that we can look and see that they held on when it didn't make sense to hold on, God. They, they did what they were told, God. They surrendered where they were supposed to surrender. God, they walked in the path. I pray this morning, Father, that you'd move in this place, God. I pray, Lord, would you reach in, God. And I pray, Lord, even I've already prayed on multiple occasions this morning, God, I pray not so much necessarily that you would calm any storms in here this morning, but that you would cause these storms to accomplish the purpose for which they've been sent, God. I pray you'd help us, Father, to walk out of this door a better servant, more in tune with the will of God than what we were when we came in, God. I pray you'd help us, Father, to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Going through a storm doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're outside of the will of God, although it might well. But just because you're in a storm, just because you're in a situation, doesn't mean that you're outside of the will of God. Sometimes storms are just part of life. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sometimes they just come that way, but other times it's faith being tested. It's your faith being tried and strengthened by the hand of God. Today, the world offers all kinds of things to keep people from having to deal with their storms. And so the world turns to the things of the world. They turn to things like drinking. They, they turn to things like taking pills. They, they turn to things like snorting that little white stuff or smoking those little foolish cigarettes. They, they turn to the things of the world to do whatever they can to try to dull away the pressures of the storm. They want to try to dull the senses, to, to take away the pain of the situation. In all their worldly efforts, the pain will return. The pain's coming back, and not only will it return, but it's going to bring with it its own series of problems. You might deaden the senses for a little while, but then you wake up with a hangover. 
Or, or you wake up with a craving. You wake up with a desire. You wake up with a headache. You, you wake up with the same problems that you started out with, and now they're even worse because not only do you have the sickness of the effect of what you did, but you don't have any money either, so you just added a financial problem to what you already had. The world continues to turn to it, but the world can't offer you any help because the world don't have the answers. Jesus Christ is the answer. Many people call themselves Christians today. They, they say, kind of like Job's friends, well, the reason you're in a storm is because of that sin in your life. Well, I ain't going to say that's not. That might well be. That's between you and God. But they like to say, well, the reason you're in that storm, if you'd get things right, you wouldn't be going through that. If you'd just live your life righteous and holy and, you know, if somebody is perfect living in the center of the will of God, they'll never go through a storm. I got news for those people like you. You need to get off your self-righteous backside and read the Word of God because that ain't true. Storms is just a way of life, and I can show you that this morning in the stories that we're going to look at. Sometimes we're going to go through storms. It doesn't matter where you're at in your walk with Christ. The Word of God says that in the face of difficulties, we can go on. Because storms are going to come. Storms are going to go. If you've never seen a storm last forever, they all have a beginning and they all have an end. But no storm will overpower the purpose of God. Jonah had a problem. Jonah had been given one job to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach repentance. Those people are lost and their wickedness. I want you to go down there and preach repentance because if they don't repent, then I'm going to destroy them. Jonah says, mm -mm, I don't want to do that. I don't like those people. I, they're, they're just a bunch of sinners. I don't want to go down there. So Jonah went down to the dock like he should have, and he bought a ticket to get on the ship like he should have. The only problem is he bought a ticket stamped Tarsus. Nineveh was over there. Tarsus was over there. So he bought a ticket going in the exact opposite direction. He headed out in the wrong direction, taking the purpose of God with him. Well, somebody pay attention this morning. Before the ship got to where it was going, they encountered a storm. Because the storm was so violent, there was people on that ship that they never prayed before. They started praying. The only person on there that wasn't praying was the one that had the ticket stamped Tarsus. He was asleep. They woke him up and said, man, you need to get up and get busy praying to your God that maybe he'd spare us. He said, there's no reason for me to pray. I'm the cause of the problem. I already know why we're in this. I already know what's going on. Can, can I tell you, sometimes the things you create hurt other people because everybody else on that ship is in the same storm. Everybody else is in the same situation. They're in the same mess because of what Jonah did. Sometimes, going in the wrong direction, God may send you some storms just to regain your attention and remind you of who he is. You might be asleep at the moment. But God has a way of waking you up. Amen? Jonah was going in the wrong direction. I told you I'm going to change around in some stories this morning. Over in the Old Testament, the book of Kings, we have the story of Elijah. Elijah, in his story, he should have been celebrating. He should have been celebrating the great victory from Mount Carmel, but yet we find that he's running. He's not running a victory lap. He's running for his life. He is like Jonah. He is trying to avoid the purpose of God. 
He's trying to avoid what God has given him to do. See, Elijah's job was to go and to anoint the king. We'll see it here in a minute. But he was supposed to go anoint the ones that would be the predecessors or the successors to the king. But in chapter 19, verse number 9, God said to Elijah, hiding out there in that cave, he said, What doest thou here? See, sometimes it's the things that we don't do. Sometimes it's the things that we do. And, well, sometimes we can be in the perfect center of the will of God. And a storm can still come our way. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, Jesus has been teaching the people throughout chapter 4. He's teaching the people. The Bible says that he uses parables. And the Bible says that without a parable, he didn't teach them anything. But then in Mark chapter 4, down in verse number 35, it says, The same day when even was come, he saith unto them, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he told them, he said, Let us pass over unto the other side. Jesus has invited the disciples to get on a boat with him and sail over to the other side. Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten, God in the flesh, he is in the perfect center of the perfect will of the Father. The disciples are on the boat with Jesus. They are exactly where they're supposed to be. They are going exactly where they're supposed to be going. They are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Yet the next two verses says in verse 36 and 37, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even who was in the ship, and there also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The disciples are in the center of the will of God. They are with Jesus doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing at this moment, yet they find themselves in the midst of a storm, and they're afraid that the ship is going to sink. The disciples, you know, the ones that saw Jesus when he cast out the demons by the sound of his voice, the one who touched the eyes of the ones that was born blind and gave them sight, the one who touched the legs of the lame and, and they jumped up, leaped up, and, and ran. The one who touched the ears of the deaf that they could hear and loosed the tongue of the mute that they could speak. The one who touched a withered hand and stretched it out and made it whole. The one who turned the water into wine. The one who is God in the flesh. They're with him. Verse number 38, Jesus was asleep in the boat. It says, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, the purpose of this boat ride is not just to get to the other side. There's somebody over there that needs Jesus. The purpose of the situation wasn't to scare the disciples. It was so that they might see a little bit more about who Jesus Christ really is. So whether you're running from God or whether you're walking with God, a storm can show up out of nowhere in your life. Financial storm, physical storms, emotional storms, doesn't matter. They all have a purpose. Whatever level of storm it is, God has a purpose for your life, and God will get you to that purpose one way or another. Anybody in here know what it's like for God to give you something to do and you've not done it? 
Anybody know what it's like when God said, I want you to go here and you didn't go, or he told you don't go here and you went anyway? Anybody know what it's like to be out of the will of God just doing? You know, you know you're supposed to be in Nineveh. You're supposed to be over there in Nineveh, but, but here you are hanging out in Tarsus. You're supposed to be doing whatever God gave you to do, but here you're, you're hiding out in a cave, hiding from the will of God, hiding from the purposes of God. Well, I know, I know, you just don't understand. Somebody hurt my little feeling. Somebody said something. Well, I just quit. I'm just done. I'm not doing anymore. I'm not going to teach anymore. I'm not going to sing no more. I'm not helping out no more. I'm not going to greet anymore. I'm I'm not ushering no more. I'm I'm just done with it. I'm not serving around anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll just go find me another church where I can just hide out somewhere. Well, I got news for you. You can't hide nowhere that God can't come to. You can't run nowhere that God don't know where it's at. You can try running from the will of God, but you can't escape the will of God. You can try getting away from the purpose of God. But you can't get away from God. Amen? Some people probably just need to get out of that cave and start telling other people about what God's done for you. When you don't move the mountain, I'm needing you to move. I'll trust in you. God's been good to us in this place this morning. What a song. What a song for the girls to sing. God's been good. Maybe... Maybe you're on a boat, you're heading over to the other side. Maybe you're going where God told you to go. Maybe you're in the, in the will of God. Maybe you're doing what God told you to do. And, and sometimes God may just send a storm just to remind you of who he is. Remind you that nothing's too hard for our God. And everybody said amen. Storms are very real. And storms have an end. But on the other side of the storm, there's a purpose. There's somebody on the other side of your storm that someday they're going to be in a storm. They're going to need you. God is preparing you. He's not just doing something in your life. He's preparing you to do something in the lives of somebody else. See, some, sometimes there's people over there just waiting on you on the other side of a storm. See, Jonah, Jonah had to get tossed into the sea. He's going the wrong way. GPS ain't nothing new to God. Remote control stuff, that ain't nothing new. These pre-programmed destinations, I'm amazed that they take all these commercial airliners and they set them for another country, and that thing is a predetermined destination. That stuff, that's nothing new to God. And God, God had a pre-programmed fish, a global positioning system before we ever even got to the New Testament. He had a fish programmed. He knew who to pick up and where to take him and where to drop him off. God had a purpose. And there's some people over there at Nineveh, even though they don't know it yet, they need Jonah. See, they've got something coming their way. They've got total annihilation coming their way. They've got utter destruction coming their way. If 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 Jonah don't show up and Nona with him, if Jonah don't show up, he don't know something. They, They were waiting on him. They just didn't know it. See, they're, they're, God's got a plan. There's some people waiting on you, and you or them, neither one don't know it yet, but God's doing something in our lives, amen? Back to the cave. Elijah was in the cave, and he said, what are you doing here? First Kings chapter 19, verse number 14, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. 
because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets and with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Verse number 15, the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. Verse number 18, paraphrased here, God told Elijah, said, You ain't by yourself. Over in Israel, I got 7,000 men that hadn't bowed the knee to the altars of Baal. Over on the other side of, the, of this cave, there were some kings that needed to be anointed. There, there is a future, a long time going here. God has a purpose for coming out of that cave. There's some kings that need the touch. Elijah's got to go to kings, anoint kings. It's going to take care of the work of God for the next several years. You have no idea who God's going to send you to. You have no idea the importance of the assignment that God has for you on the other side of the storm. The case of the disciples. I told you it's like a soap opera. Y'all stay with me. In the case of the disciples, Jesus told them to get on the boat. He said, we're going over to the other side. Tip number one. If Jesus says you're going over, you ain't got no business worrying about going under. See, the reason they got scared is because they weren't paying attention. Anybody awake and listening this morning? They weren't paying attention to what Jesus said before the storm. See, there's a demoniac over on the other side. Jesus is headed over to cast the demons out. He said, y'all come on, go with me. We're going over to the other side. There's a man over there that is a walk-in holiday inn. Joker's got 6,000 demons living inside. The Bible calls him legion. Jesus says we're going over there. I'm going to cast them out. If Jesus says we're going over there, if he's paying attention, you ain't got to worry about what happens between here and there because that's where you're going. There was something going on on the other side. The reason Jesus got in the boat, sure, is to go to the other side. But, man, if those disciples would have just had faith, they could have had the ride of their life. Six flags ain't got nothing on what they could have enjoyed. Think about the wind and the storm and that thing pitching and swapping and, and going, that man, there's no telling. I mean, they ain't made a roller coaster as good as that one. The, the log jam, log rides, they ain't got nothing on what Jesus was giving them. Jesus is going to take a nap and let them have a good time. But they got scared. They, they could have taken a ride that... Children's 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 children would still be talking about. Man, that ride that day on that boat, woo, what a ride. But they woke Jesus up because they weren't paying attention to what he said before they got in the boat. We're going over to the other side. Sometimes the reason you're so scared in your storm is because you weren't paying attention to what God said before you got here. Mm-hmm. I, I know sometimes... When the storm's around, it looks dark outside and the situation looks bleak and it seems like everything is, is bad, but you don't have to worry about going under if you were paying attention on the front side. And Jesus said, we're going to go through some stuff. We're, we're going over to the other side. People say, well, God doesn't speak to me. Oh, I can tell you that's absolutely untrue. Um, that, that is without a doubt false if you say that God doesn't speak to you. If you think God doesn't speak to you, you need to open your eyes. I didn't miss that. I said you need to open your eyes. He's already spoken 66 books. If he never said a wor another word, he said all that you and I need to do exactly what we're supposed to do. Amen. 
But God does speak. Jesus went on and he healed the demoniac. And the demoniac wanted to go with him. And, and Jesus said, no, you can't. you got to stay here. You go tell people what Jesus did for you. So the reason Jesus went through the storm was to get to the other side was to help the demoniac. The disciples suffered through something to get to the other side. It was to be a blessing to somebody else. The demoniac went through all that he went through and all that he'd been through being full of all those demons. He went through all that suffering to get to the other side because what you find is after that, he told the next 10 cities about what Jesus did for him. Sometimes it's on the other side of the storm. There's people, this demoniac, he didn't have any other story. All he had was what Jesus did for me. He was in a test, and this test became his testimony. And all he did was went and shared his testimony. Amen? So number one, storms are very real. Number two, on the other side of the storm, and God has somebody there waiting on you. But in every storm... After the storm, God is still speaking. Jonah was cast into the sea, swallowed up by that GPS fish and carried over, and he was put in the place where he was supposed to have gone to start it with. But if you look over in chapter 3, after the storm, it says, and the word of God came to Jonah again. How many of you have ever been in a situation and you can praise God this morning that the disobedience in my life that caused my storm didn't cause God to stop speaking to me. Mm-hmm. God spoke a second time. He told Jonah, he said, I told you to get to Nineveh and I told you to go preach. And Nineveh didn't like it any better the second time than he did the first time. He still don't like those people. Anybody got anybody you just don't like? I've asked that within the past. Bro, you ain't supposed to raise your hand questions like that. I start, my mind starts turning. I think, yeah, I'm looking at one of them right now. Stick to the message, stick to the message. Jonah didn't like those people down there. They were sinners. While they were Gentiles, they were just dogs. They're heathens, man. They're living all that garbage life. They are, they are the worst among the worst. Why would I go down there? Anybody know what I'm talking about? God says, who are you to tell me to whom I can show grace? Mm-mm. Who are you to tell me to whom I can give mercy to? In all of your sin and all of your... I just had to get you off a boat and use a fish to get you back over here. I've been working on you your whole life. Who are you to tell me to whom I can show mercy? You just go tell people about Jesus. In the cave, God came to Elijah while he's running from a storm. While he's still hiding in the cave, chapter 19, verse number 11 of 1 Kings, he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire. 
still small voice. It was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? After the storm, God speaks. The storm has a purpose. Back to finish up with Jesus and the disciples on the boat. Jesus spoke before the storm. He said, let's go over to the other side. He spoke during the storm. He said, peace be still. But then he spoke after the storm. He said, what were you afraid of all that time? Why were you so scared back there during the storm? Why were you so fearful about the storm? I told you to start with we were going over there. Why is your faith so weak? Why do you have such a weakness of faith? Do you not trust me? Did you not believe what I said in the first place? Do you not believe that I can do all things? Do you not trust that I'm greater than your greatest storm? Do you not believe that I'm bigger than your biggest problem? What were you so afraid of back there in the storm? I don't have time to really preach this one. I'm going to just skim past it because I need to use it at the end. But the Apostle Paul was another one that was in the center of the will of God. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. He was in exactly the place God told him to be. He was in the perfect center of the will of God for his life. And in the center of God's will for his life, he is on a ship as a prisoner. He is in chains and shackles, bound up on his way to Rome. He is in prison, going to be put on trial for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. A storm came. In the center of God's will, not out of the will of God. Nothing like Jonah running from God. This was in the will of God. The storm came. Y'all know the story. The ship was destroyed. Busted all to pieces. Paul had to get onto a piece of driftwood. He had to hold on and he had to float to the island. And every man on board, he told him, he said, we're only going to lose the ship. We're not going to lose any people. We're not going to lose any life. And they get on the shore and Paul is gathering up wood to build a fire. He's trying to help somebody. He's the one working right here. He's trying to be a blessing to everybody else. He's trying to build a fire so that everybody else can get warm and dry. And while he's doing all that he can on his way to do the will of God, shipwrecked in the will of God, gathering wood in the will of God, then he's bit by a snake in the will of God. But he was never afraid during the storm. Not once. Did Paul ever fear during the storm? He told the men, fear not. None of us are going to lose our life. We're just going to lose the ship. See, the reason he wasn't scared in the storm is because he listened to what God said before the storm. Sometimes if we just be paying attention to what God said before the storm, we wouldn't be near so worried when we got in the storm. We just know that we're going through a little seasoning process. We're just going through a little strengthening process. See, the storms are going to be one of two things. We either weren't listening when God told us where to go, or we were listening and we said no to God. Choice number three, God said, we're going to go through this storm because i got something I want to show you. But if you know you're walking with God in the center of God's will, the storms aren't near so scary. Amen? Somebody on the other side of your storm that God's going to use you for. 
No matter what you're going through, no matter what your trial, no matter what your trouble, no matter what your storm, no matter your situation, no matter how new, no matter how old, how fresh, how distant, whatever it is that you're going through, God has a purpose. God has a plan. And somewhere on the other side of your storm, after God's given you a victory and brought you out, he's going to use you to help somebody else get through a storm. He's going to use you to reach down and pick some people that are lost and on their way to hell. Nineveh was on their way to hell. If somebody doesn't show up and preach the gospel, they are on their way to utter destruction. God said, oh no, you're, you're going to go over here because i got a work for you to do. God give anybody anything to do? Anybody in here ever been in a storm? You know, I was a little... This morning studying, I was like, God, this may speak to a handful of people. I mean, there's a handful of people going through cancer, a handful of people going through a financial struggle or something. But I realized this morning, everybody in here is going through something. There, there's not a per even on the mountaintops, there's situation, there's drama, there's something. There's no way. To escape storms. So what I realized is that I was wrong. God doesn't have a message for a handful. God's got a message for everybody. Fear not. Your storm is not without an end. And it's not without a purpose. God is doing something in your life. So that he can use your life to be a blessing to somebody else's life. And you know what's crazy about that? It's when you do what God told you to do. And you survived the storm. And you got on the other side of the storm and was a blessing to somebody else. God's going to give you a reward. What kind of God is that? Just because we did what we were supposed to do. What a God. Could I have you stand up this morning? I, I, I want to. The altars are always open. You certainly can use the altar. I want us to have a couple minutes to pray this morning for a lot. There are people that we know that are going through storms. I would ask you to pray for them. There are people that we know that are going through health storms and disease and finances and, and marriage and children, all the different storms. I want us to pray for them. When, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity that God's given to you and I to even be able to walk into the throne room of God. But when we walk into the throne room of God, it's a real blessing that God allows us to come and make intercession on behalf of others. So can we take some time this morning and pray for the ones that we know are in a storm? It may be your own storm this morning. You may need God to show up and do something in your life, something in your world. You got anything you need God to fix in your life? Maybe you've just been through some storms. I just want to say thank you, God, for getting me through the storm. I want to say thank you on this side of the storm for what you did in my life through the storm. I want to say thank you that you plan on using me. Isn't it amazing that God could take any one of us and use us a sinner? What a God that he uses us in spite of us. Maybe this morning you may have never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You may be like those Ninevites down there. You just need for somebody to show up and tell you about Jesus. Well, I can do that. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God that died on Calvary's cross for your sins to keep you from having to go to hell. You and I were separated at birth from God by our sins. We grew up sinners because we were born sinners. It all happened back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. 
We were born into sin, separated from God, and Jesus Christ came and he paid for my sin and he paid for yours. But the only way that that gift does you any good is if you accept that gift. The gift offered and never received does you no good. You can leave the blood of Jesus lying on the table and you can go to hell if you want to, but it's your choice. Because the blood of Jesus is sufficient to save the souls of no account sinners like me. So are you willing to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this morning? I don't know. I can't see the hearts of people this morning. I don't know who's saved, who's not. I know by the testimony of what the Word of God says, I see the fruits of many of you. And your fruits are enough for me, but only you know the true heart. If you've never trusted Christ, if you can't say, I know I'd go to heaven if I died because I've trusted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If you've never said that, you can do that this morning. You can say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner because there must be confession of sins with your own mouth. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. You can't be saved until you realize you're lost. Are you willing to pray it, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner? I need you, Lord. I'm asking you now to come into my heart. I'm asking you to save my soul. Forgive me of all my sin. In Jesus' name. Only Jesus can save your soul. The Father can reach down with the blood of Jesus and wipe away all your sins, but it's up to you. That's not a magic prayer. You don't get to say that and go back out and live the kind of life you've been living. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You become a child of God. He becomes your Savior. It saves you from hell. He becomes your Lord, Lord of your life. One more time, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Save my soul in Jesus' name. He said that this morning. I just want to rejoice with you. I'll go ahead and tell you there's four saved already this morning in detox. It'd be awesome to see what else God does this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to come. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to point you out, but I do want to pray with you. I do want to pray for you. You hold your hand up. Hold it up high right where you are. I said, I prayed this morning. 